Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into His Word. Let's jump right into today's message. Today, I want to talk about unconditional love, love without conditions, unconditional love. And I want to say this, true love is unconditional, true love is without conditions. This is easy to talk about, it's easy to read, it's easy to give a hearty amen. Um, It's difficult to live it out when you've been through a trial or disappointment by somebody Maybe you've disappointed yourself. Listen, it could start with just you. You're looking in a mirror and you're disappointed with something that maybe you've had a hard time overcoming. Maybe it's a sin issue or whatever it may be. It's important to know that Jesus went to the cross to break the curse of sin. That when we come in with repentance, that he wipes it away. And how many of you know, not only forgives, but forgets. That's hard. That's difficult. I struggle with that. Oftentimes, I said it a couple weeks ago, I can easily forgive. It's the forgetting part that's the challenge. Letting it go. Got to let it go. Let it go. That's where we, that, you all knew I was going there. We have to let it go. Unconditional love. Love without conditions. And so I want to dig into this today. The Bible has defined love. And today, I believe that God is calling us to a deeper love with everyone including and not excluding our enemies. That's really difficult. That's really difficult when you got an enemy trailing behind you and you could feel the attacks of the enemy coming. You know, and how many of you know sometimes that can come, like a frenemy? Like, how many of you have some friends on Facebook that you're like, yeah, okay, right? You know, you're kind of a frenemy. That's like a new, they should have a frenemy category on Facebook. Like, you're not really a friend, you just want to see what's going on in my life so you could be all jelly and, and you know, hate is going to hate. Like, that, that goes on. So, listen, can I tell you something? Social media is absolutely destroying a society. Absolutely. I, watch, I, I was reading some quotes on it yesterday and some statistics about social media that we're always living in a different moment, not living in the now, constantly on this digital device. How many of you want to absorb the now this year? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 8 says, Love is patient. Everybody say patient. Love is kind. I struggle with that one sometimes. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. The word dishonor actually means to remove value. The word calls us, how many of you know, to value everyone. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angry. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, snap right there, because I tell you, I have a list. I got a list, y'all. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Now, when you're wronged, you're going to struggle with trust. You're going to struggle with hope. You're going to struggle with feeling protected when you've been wronged. Unconditional love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know, the greatest relationships, and I say this, a relationship isn't real until it's been tested. That's the perseverance side. 
When you've been wronged or you've been let down by somebody you love or you've been through disappointments in life, but you work through it, you don't try to get around it, you don't ignore it, you press through. And how many of you know this is a press through year? We're going to press through. We're going to persevere because the word of God is truth and it assists us in that when we follow this pathway. It goes against our critical nature, this critical spirit that's all over America right now. All of this that we're reading is so, it's so countercultural. Love never fails. So we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, make love your greatest aim. We're supposed to experience this transformation as a Christian. How many of you know, if I look the same next year as I did this year where I'm not drawing closer to the Lord, I'm missing the mark. This is a transformational process that as we marinate and as we spend time in the presence of the Lord like we just did during worship, that's not supposed to be a moment where it just tickles our emotions, but a moment where we encounter God. Just a moment in His presence can accomplish what I can't accomplish in a lifetime. Just one minute, one second in God's presence that changes your heart that you go, okay, Lord, thank you for your presence. I was talking to someone last night on the phone and I got a little upset at something on the phone uh, talking with this person, and I had to hang up, and I said, okay, Holy Spirit, show me what you need to show me about what is upsetting me, and I found out God pointed out something with me. It wasn't with the person. It was something with me that God showed me because there is a transformational revelation when you get into God's presence where he reveals and shows you things in the stillness that is for you, not for that other person. We've got to look in the mirror at ourselves like, we discussed last week about the mirror, the mirror of the word, and let God show us our shortfalls. And God, what do you want to do in me? Let's not look at the person next to us, but let's look at me. And God, what do you need to do in me that I can be an unconditional lover that you could show me? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Amen. See, we're focused on everybody else's issues or everybody else's sin, but God, what's going on in here is what we need to ask ourselves. So the neighbor next to you is not what this message is for. It's for me. I'm preaching to myself. Listen, deep teaching is not when you could teach it good. It's when you can live what you're actually saying. We need a generation of people that have the substance of living the things that they're talking about, not just teaching well. (laughs) We're supposed to experience this transformation. There was a group of 100 professionals that wanted to ask those that were untainted by life what love is. And so they, they went through a survey, and I've got these written down on the screen, and they decided to ask kids that were under the age of eight, what is love? And here were the answers. Rebecca, age eight, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over to paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when he's got arthritis in his hands. That's love. Billy, age four, when someone loves you, they say your name is, they just, your name is said different. You know that your name is safe in their mouth. I love that. Carl, age five, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cream, or cologne rather, and they go out and smell each other. I thought that was deep. (laughs) Carl needs a little revelation. Chrissy, age six, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Chrissy's got this figured out. 
Chrissy has got, because I'm telling you, Joey doesn't share food. I'm telling you, you just ask Liz. She's, not, she's on the broadcast, ask her. Terry, age four. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. I love that. Out of the mouths of children is what Jesus says, his perfected praise. Danny, age seven, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy, and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. Bless her heart. Liz, you got that one figured out too, just to make sure it tastes okay. Emily, age eight, love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together, and and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. (laughs) Bobby, age seven, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and just listen. I love Bobby. Nikki, age six, if you learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. How many of you know we need more Nikki's in the world? Yeah. Noel, age seven, love is when you tell a guy you like a shirt and then he wears it every day. How many of you guys are guilty of that besides me? Like, I got, like, the same couple jackets I rotate. It's all good, you know? (laughs) Claire, age six, my mommy loves me more than anybody. You don't see anybody else kissing me to sleep at night. Marianne, age six, love is when your puppy licks your face even after you've left him alone all day. Man, isn't it amazing that dogs get this better than Christians? Wow, that'll preach right there. They say if you want to see how much your dog loves you more than your spouse, lock both of them in a trunk for an hour and then open it up and see who's happy to see you. (laughs) I want to make you guys laugh a little bit today. Mark, age six, love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and doesn't think it's gross. (laughs) Jessica, age eight, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you really mean it, but if you mean it, say it a lot because people forget. I love Jessica. There was a contest to find the most caring child in America, and it went to a little boy, went to an elderly man's house uh, who had a wife of of 50-something years who had just passed away, and the elderly man said the boy was amazing. When he got home, the parents asked this little boy, they said, uh, what is it that you said to this guy? He said, you were amazing, really was ministered to, and he said, nothing, I just helped, I just just sat there and, and I just helped him cry. That's what I did. Maybe, you know, there's, there's times where words aren't what are needed in that moment. Sometimes we just need to sit with somebody and just cry with them. Because there's compassion in love. There's compassion in love. When I lost my brother, I think my favorite people to be with were the people that just shut up and just cried with me and just had their arm around me. I just felt the love. Love isn't small to Jesus. This is who we must become if we're truly Christians. It's not an option. Love is not an option. This is a command that we have to love. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love, and I'll read this verse out of the NIV. Whoever does not love does not know God. That's a strong statement. Whoever does not love does not know God. In other words, if you can't be a lover, don't don't claim to be a carrier of his presence. Because that's the fruit of his presence is that you will be a person who demonstrates love. Because God is love. If this is who God is, this is who we need to be. Jesus said this, this is all red letters, this is his own words. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, in other words, if you're going to church, 
And there, remember that your brother and sister has something against you. In other words, I'd rather you leave church, leave your gift there in front of the altar, but first go and reconcile to them and then come and offer your gift. So in other words, get it right and then come back to church. Do you know why that scripture is so key? Is because when you read in the book of Acts about Pentecost, it came because of the reconciliation and the unity that was in the room. These people were doing life together. They got over themselves. Here's a prophetic word for you today. If you want to be a lover, you got to get over yourself. I'm, listen, and I talk to myself about this in the mirror. I, I was brushing my teeth this morning. Get over yourself. That is so Italian. Get over yourself. First John says it this way, First John chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister is still in the darkness. But anyone who hates their brother or lo- sorry, loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. In other words, you have added value. We could look past political differences. We could look past things that irritate us. We can, we can look past the shortcomings of other people. Remember, we've got to take the log out of our own eye and not the splinter out of theirs. That'll preach right there. Can I get an amen? But this only happens when you have a transformed heart, which again only happens when you make time and spend time in the presence of the Lord where that can happen. In other words, you have to make the time where God has access to you. How many of you know God doesn't need us? He doesn't have needs. He has desires. But he strongly desires the moments that you come into his presence because believe it or not, We were created to be in his presence, to be a worshiper of him. That's what we're going to do for eternity. The angels are gathered around the throne singing, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy is your name. I can't wait. In fact, I'm longing more and more to be in the presence of the Lord because I recognize that all those that went before us that I miss, the moment where we're really connected is in the moment of worship. In a moment where I marinate in his presence and his yoke is easy and his burden is light and his character becomes mine by that transformational moment of his presence. That's why I want to be so careful as a church not to just teach you the word, but to give you an encounter that is so much more caught than it is taught. So much, it's so much better when you catch this revelation of God's character and his presence. The next verse points to the religious folks, and I want to say that some of the craziest, most whacked out people that I've ever met are religious folks. That's that, it's a perversion. Religion is a perversion. These religious folks, they had that nasty religious attitude. I get sick of hearing critical out of the church because that's not the character of Jesus. That's not love. But to give you the context of this verse, a religious person asks Jesus, help me figure out the Bible. What is the greatest command in the law? This is all about the law. And Jesus responds, well, I can't give you one. I can give you two. In Matthew 22, verses 35 to 39, one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest command in your law? And here's what Jesus replied. He said, number one, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So in other words, we got to put God first. And this is a foreign concept. Putting anybody first right now in this generation is a foreign concept. And then Jesus replied this, that is the first and the greatest command. And second is love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, our vision as a church in Hope Covenant 
is that we want to know God. That points to encounter experience. We want to find freedom. Things get free of anything that holds us back. We want to then discover our purpose, our gifts, and our callings. And then we want to go out and make a difference, which is the Great Commission. It's those four words. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I repeat them often to you because that is our core val- our corest of values right there. That's who we want to be because we want to be a salt and light. I don't want us to just encounter God in this room. Remember, this is not a lake. This is a river. It's meant to come. We experience God, and then we take him out. So this love... This this character that we're learning about needs to be something we put on display for the world to see that they can encounter Jesus. This is life-saving if we would live this. It's not just about me. This is for others. The Greek word for love, it's, there's four different words, and I'm going to give you them today because this is really deep, this word love. And we often focus on three of these, but there's a fourth one. It's actually one of the most important values in all of this. The first one is storge. It looks like storage without the A. It mean, it's, its meaning is like a natural affection, like a, like a family type of love. Then there's phileo, that's friendship. Then there's eros, that's physical attraction. And then the fourth one, this is the one we're going to really hammer out today, is agape, which is unconditional love. Unconditional, that's selfless love. Agape the, uh, the, the definition of agape, an intentional and unconditional expression that chooses to do something caring or helpful regardless of the cost or consequences to oneself. What's that really saying right there? It's saying, I have a funeral for me. I get over myself so that I can love others. I don't get caught up, you know, we get caught up on all the feels in this generation. We're so led by feelings. How many of you know scripture doesn't point to being led by your feelings? We're led by the spirit of God, which by the way, feels great. Jesus said this in John 13, verse 34 and and 35. I give you a, a, a new command. Love one another. In other words, agape one another. As I have agape, as I have loved you unconditional, so you must agape, unconditionally love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you agape, unconditionally love one another. In other words, agape love is the only way that the world will really know my character so we could show this in order to lead people to Jesus. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I'm working on this. His kindness that leads us to repentance. We got to remember that when we're at Starbucks and we're frustrated. We got to remember that when we're with the person that has opposing political views, that it's His kindness that we put on display that will actually lead them to the Lord. If I switch that around, it's my mean mugging, haters gonna hate that turns them off to Jesus. How many of you have ever met somebody that's turned off to church because they knew somebody who was at church that was a total jerk? Yeah, everybody in this room probably knows somebody that we, listen, if we live with that burden every day that I could be a turn off or a turn on to lead people to an encounter with Jesus, this is a matter of life and death. Your character is a matter of life and death to somebody else. That's huge. That's huge. 
And I'm getting burdened with this every day when I get in the car and I jump on 77, Shayte. Y'all, you know what I mean right there. Or 485. Or you're in Lowe's. How many of you ever been in Lowe's? That'll, oh, that'll test your character right there. <laughs> or we had that, that awesome thing that we did where we had like the little circles when we were getting into the line during COVID that like, like you, the circles were all spaced out six feet this way, but then we're like three inches next to each other because it doesn't go this way. It only goes this way. I don't know if you knew that about COVID. <laughs> like, I mean, right now it's being squeezed out of us. It's like this is a big test for the church. You look at, I'm not trying to get political, but I'm just stating the obvious. You got all those truckers in Canada. I was reading it just today. Like, oh my gosh, what's going on right now? There's a huge test in care. How are we, are we handling things in a godly way? Re- listen, regardless of your political stance or, or your views on things, above all else, we need to ask, is this godly? Does this display the character of Jesus? Are we loving without condition And being kind that this character is leading people to right standing with Jesus. That'll preach and that'll convict us. I've been asking the Lord in everything that I'm doing. You know, it's funny. You can can have a church and totally get lost. You could be pastoring a church and totally get lost about the value system that Jesus places on being a character and a salt and light to the world. You can get lost in the, in, the, in, the, in the machine of church. It's just so unhealthy. And I think sometimes we do that even coming to church. Like, we're here Sunday, and we're going to get right with God. We're going to make everything cool. And then we're going to go look like hell on Monday. And guys, I don't want to be that church. I want to be the person that when, when, when we're worshiping, and I feel that brokenness, in the presence of the Lord, and I feel him ministering to me with all my issues, that my heart is in that same tender place when I'm in front of somebody that desperately needs Jesus bad when I'm in Starbucks on Monday. I give Starbucks as an illustration because it's like my second home. What I'm saying is, are, are, are we real with our spouse? Are we loving our spouse unconditionally? Because the Lord knows that when I wake up in the morning, sorry, Liz, I love you, but your breath is going to stink. And so is mine, probably worse. It's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to have those things that rub us the wrong way. But guys, that's what makes relationship real. The Bible says it's iron that sharpens iron. In other words, when there's iron clanking and, you know, my dad used to sharpen the steak knife in the kitchen. And he's like got that Italian thing going on like, hey, how you doing? You know, sharpening the knife. He had the little, little long wand and he'd take the knife and it would sometimes you'd spark and you'd see these little metal shavings come off. What was going on when that iron was, was rubbing against the iron, it was, it was getting all, off all those rough edges. How many of you know that the person that disappointed you will be used of the Lord to get the rough edges off of you as well as work on that person? That's huge. Because I could tell you, I've been jacked up, and I've given Liz every reason at times to just walk out of the room. But the more that we spend time with each other, we realize this is great. It might not feel great in the moment because i got to die to self, and so does she. But we make it right, and God does something incredible with our relationship that the enemy has no open door because we worked through it, and we did it together. Because how many of you know this is a covenant that in the good times and in the bad times, that person is going to be good. We're going to love them anyway. That would change the marital statistics and the divorce rate in the church if we would really live that way. 
We've got to start to demonstrate this to the world. You working through your personal issues, working through your marital issues, working through issues with a friend, working through issues with a family member. Because how many of you know all of our family? I will, God bless all of our family. You go, well, I've been praying for them to get saved for years. Well, keep praying. I've been praying that they would come to, they won't come to church. Well, are you being a jerk? Like, look at you. Don't look at them. Look at you. So I want to do this this morning. I want to just pause for a minute. We're going to pray. I want to just ask you, who is it that in this moment, maybe you're, you're walking through life and there's somebody that you need to work on this unconditional love because we've all got somebody in our life. That you need the Lord to come in and change your heart and give, give you a heart of compassion for that person like we just read about in Scripture. Lord, I thank you that the anointing that would be on this church would be that we encountered you and left forever changed with your character that we display this agape, unconditional love. Lord, that we would demonstrate the power and the authority of your presence by the character, that transformational character that happens from marinating face-to-face with you. Jesus, I thank you this morning that you're convicting our hearts And Lord, if we've been judgmental or we've been critical, we repent for that right now. We ask you to forgive us. It starts with me. Lord, I thank you that you would convict our hearts even as we think of maybe that, that person that has just been rubbing us the wrong way. And Lord, we right now, we repent and we forgive. I want you to just say this. Say out loud, I forgive and I release. In Jesus' name, I let it go. Lord, I thank you that you're working on our hearts, that we would display this unconditional love. Lord, this was a really simple message, and maybe it wasn't extremely revelatory, but at the same time, it really is if we're not walking in this. So, Lord, convict our hearts. Give us a tender heart. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for this unconditional love that you displayed for us at the cross that allows us to sit here today and experience that same unconditional love from you that you displayed so well for us at the cross. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that this church would be a salt and a light, that we would see Huntersville saved, that we would see Charlotte saved. Lord, I thank you for your authority and your presence and your goodness. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, would you shout amen? Listen, you know, I want to say this before I dismiss that Oftentimes we say that we're, we're spirit-filled, and I, I believe in, 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 in being a spirit-filled Christian. I believe that. But if you're spirit-filled and you could robo-shoto, but you don't display the fruit of the spirit, don't tell me you're spirit-filled. Check yourself. Love is patient. Love is kind. Go through the fruit of the spirit and study it and see if, you, if that matches your character. And if not, Just repent and ask God to forgive you and ask him to change you and spend time with him and I guarantee you he'll turn it around. Isn't that good? When we repent, he wipes us. He wipes us clean and he forgives and he forgets and he lets it it go and we need to do the same thing, amen? Guys, I love you and we're in a, I'm telling you this year, every single service that we've worshiped, I've I've felt an increase in the presence of the Lord. Tammy's coming back more because I, I, because she's going to accept that in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't invite her yet. We'll talk at lunch. But um, 
man, I, I just I just love what the Lord is doing here. How many of you guys experienced the presence of the Lord and it, today was your day? Yeah. Can we just give God a shout of praise? Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we ask for a blessed, easy week in your presence. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Every burden lifted, everything that we've been struggling with, everything that we've been worried about, we lay it at your feet. And we ask you for a wonderful week in the name of Jesus. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.